powered by passion. It's National Auto Care's Fixed Ops 5 with your host, National Fixed Operations Training Manager, Corey Smith. Welcome to Fixed Ops 5. I'm your host, Corey Smith, National Fixed Operations Training Manager with National Auto Care. Today, I'm being joined by Russell Hill, founder of Fixed Ops Marketing. Russell, welcome to Fixed Ops 5. Corey, thank you so much for having me on. I got to correct you on one thing. I'm the co-founder because I got to give I got to give my business partner a credit because he and I together put this thing together. But thank you very much. A, a lot of people say that about me because I'm the front guy. I'm the I'm the front. front. He's behind the scenes. Uh, Rick <laughs> Eckert, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal product guy. You think, oh my god, how do Russell and Rick ever get along? If you were to visit with both of us, but <laughs> we we have a magic that we've carried around with us now for 13 years. So it's exciting. I'm really glad to be on with you today. Yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited about this topic. This topic is future of EV. Are we ready for it? But before we really dive into that, I, I want the listeners to know a little bit more about you. And obviously, thank you for correcting me with the, the co-founder. But you also do a, a couple other things. So can you touch upon what, what is Fixed Ops Marketing? And what are some other things that Russell Hill does? And really, what got you to this point in your life, Russell? Wow, that's a great question. Um, so Fixed Ops Marketing is the original video coupon and full-service marketing solution Uh for dealerships, for service parts and accessories on the dealership websites. Uh, all of our uh, coupons, offers, specials, depending on what brand or manufacturer you're talking to, the name is really important, right? right. Uh, but we have embedded videos in each one of the coupons or offers that are explainer videos. And so we uh, actually January 7th, we're not even to January 7th here, it will be three years. And we're just, wow. we've really exploded. We found a niche that prior to uh, this company that it was uh, horrible what you'd find on dealers website. So we're all about raising the bar, taking people out of the 20th century, bringing them into the 21st century where all that money has always been allotted to the variable side, but now it's for the fixed side. Oh, that's great. Oh, beyond that. Oh, beyond that. Okay. You, you open it up. Yeah. Um, we have a really, really uh, exciting podcast that I'm host of. It's called WTF. It's not what it sounds like. It's what the fix stops. All of you out there, uh, please check us out every day. As a matter of fact, Liz Silver just dropped today with Dynatron. Yeah. yeah. We've had some really amazing talent on there. It's been, I'm honored and humbled to, uh, to, to meet you and build the relationship that we built with each other. And um, I finally got to meet Corey about a month and a half ago, something like that. He was in Texas. Yeah. So I, I drove out to say hello to him, give him a hug, sit in on what he was talking about, screw things up really for him. And then he asked <laughs> me to leave. <laughs> no, that's great. The podcast is amazing. It's a lot of fun. If yeah. you haven't checked it out, I, <clears throat> I highly recommend it. And you're spot on when it comes to this digital age where dealerships kind of started and even manufacturers dipped into, oh, we should probably have a website because no longer should we just, you know, just think of having a, a, our ads in the newspaper or on the radio or billboards. We should really have a presence online. And a lot of companies didn't really know what to do. So now here along comes yours. It's a three-year-old, not a baby anymore, nope. but a disruptor in the market where you educate the client, the customer, into mm -hmm. why they need to do this service and from there, they can book it, which is exactly seamless, right? Yep. So thank you for all you do for the automotive world and, and really helping that customer, give them that great experience. So with that, now that we know a little bit more about Russell, what makes him tick and how excited he is to be a part of this episode, 
Let's talk about the future of EV. Are we ready for it? As a as a, as a as Americans, are we ready for EV? The short answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and listen, I think that uh, I've done a, a couple of, you know, presentations about this. There's no expert when it comes to EV. I, I would be more opted to uh, say there's thought leaders out there and it, it's a moving target. It changes all the time. So um, usually, and um, there's, I have an example of 19 other countries that have reached, you know, they're at 20 or 30% absorption or, you know, adoption uh, for electric vehicles. But there's some other things that come into play that I don't think have been completely thought out. In the United States, however, we're at four, teetering on five. Now, anything in history, there's been a 5%, you know, typical adoption rate before the masses really start to buy in. There's always that growing pain, et cetera, et cetera, uh, before it really starts to take off. Between electric vehicles and hybrids, we're, we're not quite at five. We probably will be in the next six or eight months. But there's a lot of concerns that people have. And one of the things I didn't, I never even really uh, thought of, people think electric vehicles, electric vehicles. No, you got HEVs, which are hybrid electric vehicles. You got PHEVs that are plug-in electric vehicles. You got BEVs, which are battery electric vehicles. You got FCEVs, which are fuel cell electric vehicles, and SEVs, which are solar electric vehicles. Like, oh my God. I mean, it's almost like I don't, you may not remember beta versus VHS. Which oh, yeah. One's I remember take, that. Okay. So it was, uh, you know, HD versus Blu ray, you know, uh, on the disc. So this is, this is one of those things, but there's a, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. And one of them recently, there was an article published by a journalist in Norway. Uh, where they're at about 30%, you know, electric vehicles or hybrids out there in Norway, uh, you know, a country is way, way ahead of us, but they have their own challenges. It's almost a dollar a kilowatt hour to charge that thing. Well, wow. that equates to about a hundred dollars to fully charge a Tesla in the United States, if you're at a dollar a kilowatt hour. So it's like, I mean, gas is cheaper than that. Then you got, you know, a lot of politics involved. And I got to be really careful, but there's a lot of politics involved in this. Uh, you know, uh, the, the recent Inflation Reduction Act, some people call the Green New Deal. Look, mm -hmm. the bottom line is it's, it's, it's coming, but there's some serious infrastructure problems and things people that really don't understand about, here's something everybody understands when the pandemic hit. Everybody understands what happened then. It wasn't a national thing. It was it was worldwide. Yeah. Couldn't get face masks. There's a lot of things we couldn't get because a country, China, actually controls 95% of all the antibiotics, the mask, and a lot of other things that we needed that we couldn't get a hold of. We have to be really careful because they also control the the minerals and metals uh, that it take uh, the five basic ones that that take to put together a lithium battery. Uh, and we're, that's actually being mined. Most of it's in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And if you research it, uh, it it's scary. Uh, it's, it's almost like black diamonds uh, back in the day. Uh, children are, are mining cobalt. And wow. the conditions are deplorable. And it, it's just, it just goes on and on and on. But China controls that. They dominate 80% of the minerals and metals that's used to create lithium-ion batteries. And there's a lot of lithium out there. Then we have a recycling challenge. The United States only recycles 5% of lithium batteries. 
Then you got to, you know, where, where are they stored? What, what is the danger fallout from them leaking or catching fire? It goes on and on and on. And I better stop and pause to see maybe there's a question in there from Corey today. <laughs> I love, I love your passion behind this. So you're right. It, it's more than just electric vehicles. There's different forms of electric vehicles. And I'm glad you really touched upon that. So National Auto Care, the company that I work for, we just developed um, our vehicle service contracts around EV to really go through new pre-owned. Um, ha- we have one that's a limited um, or actually a lifetime powertrain limited warranty and a lifetime battery limited warranty that also includes Tesla and Porsche, which is which is huge because those are, yes. I mean, Tesla is obviously the the benchmark, right? And 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 Porsche, as we know, if you just think of the company itself, is like um, one of those echelon high end companies, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I purchased an um, a hybrid vehicle. It's a Toyota, right? So when I was looking at that same thing, like you were talking about, there is. Plugins. I'm not. I don't think I'm ready for that personally. Um, I wanted something that got good gas mileage. I could save a little bit of money at the, at the pump, um, but I didn't have to worry about plugging it in. It's already regenerating the battery while I'm driving. That's what I, I was it. looking for. Yeah. Um, so there are five or six other, and, and Toyota makes a couple of them where they have a, a you know a plug-in version that doesn't take as long. And if you look at it even further, you have some plug-in vehicles that if you're going to plug it in at a station, it's a slow charge, right? Or you can have one set up at your house that's a fast charge like we have for our cell phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, um, if I may, there's level one, level two, and other levels. But uh, for example, I recently saw the electric Hummer. Okay. Phenomenal piece of equipment. I mean, just a beautiful, it's a work of art. Level one charger, which is what you would have at home, takes four days to charge it. Level two charger can do in about 24, maybe almost 30 hours. You would need a level three to get it even faster. And they'll start, you know, $35,000, $50,000. So there, there's a, have you ever heard of charging deserts? No. Okay. <clears throat> So there's many places in the country where there is no charging stations at all. And there's a a terminology that recently in the last six or eight months called range anxiety. A lot of people hadn't heard of either. So if you want to take a trip in an electric vehicle that averages about 300. Now, we know technology has evolved in it. So the stuff I'm talking about is is a moving target. In a year, there'll be vehicles coming out that have seven or 800 miles range. Okay. As this, you know, continues to adopt. But there's there's vast deserts out there where there's no charging ports. You, if you bought an electric vehicle, other than charging it at home, you couldn't go anywhere. You, right. you, I mean, not of any distance because there's no charge. And the range anxiety comes from you have to map out even in areas where there is charging stations. Where exactly are you going to stop? Are they functional? Are they slow? Uh, is there multiple uh, charging ports? There's like 108,000 right now in the United States charging ports. Now, I got to tell you. Since the Inflation Reduction Act and the infrastructure and all that kind of stuff, there hasn't been one charging port uh, that's been financed by the government yet. But I'm going to tell you to keep up with what's projected by 2030, okay, in the next really six, seven years, seven years, 
We would need to, right now, just to keep up with what is put out there, 478 new charging ports every single day at a minimum, just to keep up with what they're talking about doing uh, with electric vehicles and hybrid and similar type vehicles. And we're just, we're way behind it. And then this strain on the power grid. Yeah. I mean, so let's, let's look at that. So we're, we're heading into uh, 2023, right? Yes, yes, sir. So you're seven years away from that target of 2030. Yes. Mm -hmm. Manufacturers have, have adjusted a little bit. The customer is now like, I, you know, I, I consider myself an, an, the average customer. I'm educating myself more and more on this. Sure. Um, the future of, of, of EV hypothetically looks bright. But if you really dive into the numbers of what you just talked about, if we're really going to have an adoption rate, we don't really have the infrastructure. You still have people in California that can't use power at certain times. Oh they have to have God, blackouts. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, Texas, right? I mean, that, that's, that's, that's pretty big. Uh, how, how do you see that evolving well, to really, I, get to, to really get to where we need to be in 2030? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, in addition to the charging deserts and range anxiety, what about inner city? What about high rise condominiums, hospitals, office buildings? I mean, uh, where, where are they going to put charging ports? So there's a lot. It sounds good. And it seems like every time you turn on the TV, you see this magnificent looking new electric vehicle that most people can't afford, but they're becoming more affordable. Or you have um, uh, like the money that was thrown out there 6500 and 4500 respectively for uh, to help with the purchase of a new or pre-owned EV etc except that uh, the manufacturers just raised their prices that or higher uh, for people that are, are buying them now so that kind of like where's that money going but when you talk about infrastructure I did a little digging I don't think most people know that but there's there's uh, 55,000 substations in the United States Okay. There's only um, three power grids. That's it. There's the East, the West, and Texas has its own power grid. Most people didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. 38% of all power outages are due to assault on our power grids. 38% of all power outages in the United States are due to assaults on our power grid. Wow. It's wide open. And then you wonder, okay, I did a little digging. What one entity you think would be the federal government actually watches over the power grid? There's not one. There's a lot of agencies out there that don't communicate with each other. Let me give you an example. Uh, I forgot the name of it. It was in San Jose several years ago, six or seven years ago. Uh, these uh, mercenaries, uh, um, this is where Silicon Valley is, got access and uh, got into the power station that consisted of 22 transformers in this particular power station and cut off all uh, communication going outside the, the substation. And they proceeded to take high powered rifles that were extremely loud. Thank God a concerned citizen called the police, but they knocked out, they shot the cooling fins out of 17 out of the 22. Wow. And then by the time the police got there, they disappeared, never caught them. This is just one example. Never caught them, had that concerned citizen not, and they ended up knocking it out. It would have shut down Google and, and Facebook, the entire power grid in Silicon Valley. And most people never, you know, experienced a little bit of interruption. They didn't know. Um, or, uh, yeah, that's just, that's just that's one, one example. 
That's amazing. So how does the auto dealership and even RV and power sports, because you're going to start seeing more battery powered power sports and, and RV coming down the, down the pike. How do, how do those dealerships prepare themselves for not only the new customer, right? But this new product of EV and educating their sales staff. Well, even first the service thing, department. That's true. Uh, first thing they can do is contact auto, uh, National Auto Care and start learning more about these uh, extended warranties for electric vehicles. That's the first I heard of it. So uh, I want to make sure that gets out there. Listen, things uh, dealerships have gotten really fat the last couple of years since the pandemic. Things are starting to change. Uh, a lot of stuff we're talking about is really hyperbole, big deal. I remember I was running a store when websites first came on the scene, 1995, 1996. I was running a Nissan and Mitsubishi store. And it's like, oh, my God. Oh, we had the ultra fast dial up AOL modems back then. And it's like, that's it. The car business is over. And then auto buy tail came out about six months later. Internet leads, right? With protected territories. Oh, my God. It's all going to be over. Now, we're car people. We adapt, we overcome, we figure it out. People need to start figuring out. There's a paradigm shift taking place with electric vehicles, with how people are treated, uh, the knowledge. Uh, most people are more educated than salespeople. So these people that have been sitting down just taking orders and making all this gross, those days are going to come to an end. They're going to have to start digging in, doing some real work and understand that there's a process and there's a road how to handle these types of things. And when you deviate from it, it costs you gross repeat referral CSI and SSI. Well, this also, uh, these interdepartmental struggles between fixed operations or finance and parts, uh, you know, service and sales, we need to come together as a team because Lee Iacocca said it best back in the eighties when he turned Chrysler, he said, ladies and gentlemen, you can sum all businesses up to three things, people, products and profits and the most important of which are you are your people with them trained make sure they understand what it is to build a relationship meet and greet using the customer's name i don't care if it's on the front end if it's finance if it's if it's parts or if it's service the future is going to be in our people and how we adapt and overcome to this new technology that's coming in and these gen z and gen wires that are coming into the marketplace too did that help a little bit <laughs> that, that helped quite a bit so here's another thing that we hear a lot about is that ev is 100 percent green is that fact or fiction fiction why okay it? it's almost like so one of the components of lithium-ion batteries until that technology changes which it probably will is nickel okay uh there is one Nickel mag mag magnes magnes not it's called magnes not magnes magnes. Uh, there's nickel mountain uh, the I forgot the it's it's um, there's only one plant in the United States and they plan on shutting the doors in 2025. So we're relying on mostly China controlled worldwide domination of the essentials metals and minerals that are needed to put lithium ion batteries together. And it's almost like okay if it's not here in the United I, I look. I want clean air. I want clean water for my kids too. But I mean, there's a lot of drawbacks to a, a lot of different things that's being pushed on us right now that we're not ready for. You mentioned it in California about the, the power grid, weak power yeah. grid, right? We're between four and nine, you know, when it gets real hot out, don't use your major appliances or charge your vehicle. 
Yeah. And, and a lot of that energy comes from fossil fuels. People don't think, well, electricity comes from fossil fuels. Yeah, it does. Coal and, and other types of things. So it's like, um, I think I probably got off track there a little bit. But, <laughs> um, so there was a, uh, this is one example of, of the pollution. One, the deplorable conditions in which it's mined. Two, how it's recycled. Three, the infrastructure necessary for dealerships to adapt to fast charging uh, solar panels, safety, storage, how you handle stuff. I, I hear stories. There's one on one January 3rd this year, 2022. There was a ship, a Porsche's BMWs uh, with 4,000 vehicles on it. You don't hear much about it now. They squashed the story as quickly as they could. But uh, there is, you know, a lot of electric vehicles on there, more gas powered vehicles than electric coming over from Europe. One of the lithium ion batteries leaked and caught on fire and they, wow. they sent out distress. They did everything they could to try to put the fire out and it burned so hot for three days. It ultimately what happened, it sank to the bottom of the ocean. And they'll tell you back then it was a result of a lithium ion battery that leaked and caught on fire and they burn extremely hot and you can't really put them out in the overall scheme of things. It's a very significantly uh, inconsequential number because vast majority of them don't. But now the story's changed where they're really not sure if it did. So there's the verdict is still out. How we're mining it, the conditions in which it's mined. It's almost like if it's not in the United States and it's in another country, it's like no big deal. But when you start taking a look at how that stuff is actually put together, it's scary, Corey. It's scary. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to consider uh, um, from educating the customer to being that customer buying something like that. Is it is it 100% green? Um to your point, it, it's it's no. not, um, and it and it can't be if you're pulling something from the earth, right? <laughs> can't be, right? right. Um, right. Does it does it help to pollution and clean air and and, and water? Yeah, uh, probably a little bit, but not as not as much as we all hoped and and thought it would, right? So I really like this topic is going to be a hot topic for seven more years, right? Until we really figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I think I think we have the brain trust behind it. We have we the want, right? The consumer wants it. We, as a, as an automotive industry, want it. Power Sports wants it. RV wants it. You know, true. I think uh, uh, something that when you said that comes to mind is like uh, I, I still hear it today, but not as much as I did six, eight months, or a year ago. It's like, oh my god. What are we going to do in service? How are we going to make money in service? <laughs> well, why don't we stop the mass defection at the end of the warranty period? Let, let's work on that first, okay? And then it'll kind of take care of itself. Yeah, there, there's a tremendous opportunity to make money, like what you're talking about, extended warranties, the sales, and the service of. Those people are going to have electric vehicles. They're probably going to, in addition, one electric vehicle, they're going to have two gas-powered vehicles. Listen, they, we sell 15 million gas vehicles a year. It's not going away. It's not going away tomorrow or the next 10 years. It's not going away. And the average, you know, uh, two to three visits per year, the manufacturers are getting into the game now, right? So they're part of the money that they pay is not for the 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 consumer indexes on their experience, but actually coming to the dealership at least twice a year. We have to we have to stop this. It's a great opportunity if you think about it, because NADA says for every single franchise, there's 16 non-franchise entities. Valvoline, Firestone, Goodyear, Costco, Walmart, it goes on and on, infinite. They surround every franchise dealer. 
I wonder why that is. Mm, because they of do easy that, targets. <laughs> that easy target. And uh, recently, there was a gentleman, I probably better not say his name, but he was in a conversation and he wouldn't say who the guy's name, but he did say that he had 1,600 franchises in the United States. We all know who it is, just count tire. And the guy was really concerned as he was sharing with his other individual because he said franchise dealers are much more equipped and they're starting to get into the game and it's really nudging into their business because dealerships, you know, there's no money in tires, et cetera. Well, the two biggest defection points right now are tires and oil changes. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's big picture, right. Of, you know, what, you know, we're not going to go from zero to a hundred. Right. And go from non-gas vehicles to just EV. So there is going to be money to be made there, but we got to do the work now. We got to lay the yes, foundation now to get the staff ready. And that's a whole other topic. We're right up against the time right now, but I, I'd, I'd love to hear your three takeaways from this EV topic that someone, uh, whether they're a rep, a uh, service advisor, someone in leadership or an owner of a RV dealership, power sport dealership or car dealership in your mind that they can take away from this episode? Well, an opportunity is not an opportunity when everybody thinks it's an opportunity. They've already missed it. This is an opportunity for all those things you just mentioned, all those different departments and all those different types of franchises. It's, it, it is, it, you should be seeing dollar signs. If you're not, you're talking to the wrong people and you're not wanting to adapt and get on. Oh, the infrastructure, the training, the transition, uh, the support, the safety, and all these things involved. Let me tell you what, it costs a lot less today than it's going to in three to five years once we hit that 5% tipping point. So the takeaway is let's get involved now. But in the end, everything that you and I've talked about, you're part of that. You have the warranties, you have the training, national kind of phenomenal training, right? This is to get your people ready and, and understand, look, all that other, if you don't start with the proper meet and greet and what, the biggest thing that you, the customers want to know or, or want to hear right up front, use their name, welcome them to the establishment, shake their hand, let them know who you are, get a name tag. That's where it starts building the relationship. I don't care if it's in finance, if it's in RV, if it's in power sports, if it's in, it doesn't make any difference. EV is coming. Nothing you can do about it. It's probably a great thing. I think it is. I'm going to be buying one soon. Maybe who knows, but, um, <laughs> but it, it's to start working with our people and understand all the distractions are around what we're hearing still all revolves around what I mentioned earlier, your people invest in your people. That's where the, that's where the future is. And let's start, let, we're, we're already starting to figure this out. And I think, you know, that, and you're a part of that revolution, uh, Corey of educating people and understanding what's really involved. It's still people to people, regardless of where you're at. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. So that's great advice. It's, it's meeting people where they're at. Right. And it's, it's laying the groundwork. So let, let EV take care of itself. Yep. You focus on on that. I, I, that's great advice. I love that. Thank you, Russell. Yeah. One last thing. Yeah. Transparency. Transparency. I love that too. That's great. If you want to deliver a legendary customer experience that keeps the customer coming back to you and encouraging them to invite their friends, their family into your establishment, then you've caught the gold standard customer service vision. Do you want a more cohesive team that delivers a higher level of customer service that will result in more revenue for your dealership? We provide the tools, knowledge, training, to unlock that potential of your dealership. For more information on this topic and others, or to submit a question, or to be a guest on the show, 
please feel free to send me an email at csmith at nationalautocare.com. Russell, that is all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for being a part of this episode, Russell. Will you please come back? Thank you, Corey. Humbled and, and honored and grateful for the opportunity. Appreciate it. I love everything that you do. Like them, love them, share them. Just reach out to him. Thanks, Russell. Take care. <laughs> all right. Thank you for watching and listening to National Auto Care's Fixed Ops 5 with Corey Smith, powered by Pasha. Be sure to watch and listen to the next episode on the 5th and 20th of every month.